0: Hey, I'm Masha Titova, and I am the founder and CEO of TTOF, and you're listening to Cut to the Chase podcast.
1: Stepping out beyond boundaries takes courage and the ability to dream. We are excited to share our new audio podcast called Cut to the Chase. The structure of this podcast embodies open dialogue with friends, family, and professional colleagues, talking about things that impact our ability to thrive. We hope that you will join our unscripted, unbridled podcast. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Cut to the Chase. Today's episode is entitled Teetoff episode 118. And yes, everybody's going, what? What is TTOF? Well, guys, I'm going to tell you, I had no idea what TTOF was either, you know, but I did some research and I ran across something so phenomenal, so spectacular. And I'll be honest with you, I am so delighted and so, so much joy to have this individual, this young lady on the program today to really talk about her business and really kind of help get her business out there to our listening audience and really help spread the word about TTOF, which I think is a phenomenal business, particularly if, you know and I'm, I'm not going to give any hints yet. I'm going to, I'm going to wait. I'm going to let all the guys that listen to my podcast wait because <laughs> I think it's pretty spectacular. So today our featured guest is a fashion designer. She's a founder and creative director of Titoff, where she was born in Boston, raised in Moscow and consulted in LA. Now, Holy bejeebus, I mean, she's gone across the pond and across the country to capture all of this experience that she has. And so after working for Kanye West as a production manager at Yeezy and at BCBG, she took on a leap to move back to Boston where she officially launched TTOF in 2019. Now I'm going to pause right there for a second, because like I said, She came across the pond and went across the United States and gained fashion designing experience. She gained production management experience. She worked for some of the big names in Hollywood. But as we all know, good business leaders create a vision. They articulate their vision passionately. And own that vision with conviction and relentless drive to complete it. Well, our featured guest today is motivated and wanted by every woman to feel, to have something that they put onto their bodies that basically make them feel like it was specially made for them. Now, she's been the member of Rebecca Mikoff's Female Founder Collective and also has been featured in the Boston Globe and NBC as a first-generation Titov born-in-Russian immigrant. She also learned about what it takes to truly hustle. And for the past years, she's been building. Now, I'm going to say this, guys and ladies. For the past several years, she has been building a luxury lingerie company. She loves to speak about various events, or excuse me, she loves to speak at various events about entrepreneurship as well as her company. TToff has been featured, like I said before, in the Boston Globe, NBC, Ella Magazine, Boston Magazine, boston.com It's hosted um, a lot of collaborations And has been featured in the Milan, Italy during Fashion Week and virtual events supporting a great cause. And without further ado, I would like to introduce the lady behind this upcoming brand, the lady behind this trend of making women feel good. And obviously for the guys out there making your woman look really good. Here she is, Marcia. How are you doing today? Do you have any opening remarks?
0: (laughs) I I don't even know where to start. Just wow. (laughs) What an incredible introduction that was. I, I was listening to it and I'm like, is that really about me? Really? (laughs) I feel like you did such an amazing job with that.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, it's, it's important that, uh, you know, here at Cut to the Chase, we make everybody feel like they're part of the family. You know, we reached out to you because you're doing great things, you know, and, uh, you know, we're just delighted to have you on board. And, uh, certainly, you know, just like you told me how to pronounce the name of your company, like pronouncing Smirnoff. And, uh, <laughs> of course... You know, you having a background of, uh, of being a Russian Russian immigrant, and of course, you know, me occasionally drinking a vodka drink, you know, how how can you not pair those two up together? I mean, <laughs> it makes for a perfect combination, you know?
0: Yes, definitely.
1: <laughs> well, cool, cool, cool. Well, look, welcome to our program. Uh, you know, we really want to talk about uh, uh, TTOF today and really kind of dive into, you know, what made you kind of launch this brand? What made you walk away from, you know, what most people would consider to be uh, a billion dollar fashion industry? I think I think let's start there. Let's start with what made you walk away from a billion dollar fashion industry?
0: Um, To start my own company. OK,
1: okay. I,
0: I I've always I've. I, gosh, where, how do I even start? I've always wanted to have my own company. Mm -hmm. Um, that was always the plan. I went to design school while also trying to take business classes. I was always very sales oriented versus Mm -hmm. being super, super creative. Um, and I always knew I would do something along the lines of having my own company. And being a good mentee, I tried to listen to anyone who would give me advice. And everyone always said, go work, work for someone else, mm-hmm. learn other people's mistakes and learn what they're doing well. And I, that's exactly what I did. So that's why I moved out to Los Angeles and worked for a number of different companies. And after a few years, I decided it was time to kind of finally put roots into my own business and I moved back to Boston.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So out in, while you're out in LA, I mean, you know, obviously, you know, from some of the commentary that we were able to pick up uh, about your background and, and, and who some of the, you know, world-renowned stars that you've worked for, you know, as it relates to the Yeezy brand, as well as the uh, BCBG, you know, you were cast as being a part of the production manager. So, production manager, meaning that, did you handle all apparel as it came through the line, or did you oversee design and creative directory? what What was what was kind of your role and responsibilities, um, you know, with with those different organizations?
0: Yeah, so I did a lot of product development and managing the production. So we had quite a large collection and we had manufacturers in various countries and I overlooked um, full categories and then helped with uh, various other categories. So for instance, we had a manufacturer in Asia and I fully overlooked that process most of domestic production I also handled, and then we had a team handling a lot of Italy production, and whenever they needed help, I would tag on to that as well.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So you know, starting a business, you know, particularly in the fashion uh, world, takes you know a tremendous amount of who you know tremendous amount of capital, a tremendous amount of just sheer guts and passion and determination. But you went on to start TTOF in a circumstance where, as I understand it, you took on no investment dollars. Is that a true fact? Yes.
0: Only my, basically my life savings. (laughs)
1: Right, right, and so the reasoning behind taking on no investment dollars was because, you know, in most cases people find that going through that augerous capital raise process is a very laboratorious um, type of, uh, you know, microscope um, process. Was it was it based on the fact that you decided you didn't want to go through the process, or you decided that? you want to have full control and as obviously with your creative, uh, knack, uh, I, I would, uh, only assume that, uh, you didn't want anybody to upset the cart
0: Yeah, it's, I would say a little bit of both. Mm-hmm. I am the type of person that really does, um, uh, my research when looking into say raising VC, mm-hmm. um, capital or, just bringing on a partner or anything like that. And I feel like in media it was really, it or at, at least 10 years now it's been really hyped of this direct to consumer brand raised $40 million. And I feel like that's really praised and it's really hyped.
1: Mm-hmm. However,
0: I don't necessarily think a lot of those companies necessarily needed that much money. And a lot of them still aren't profitable. And right. for me, it's with every time you, you, if you raise money, you're going to continue raising money, right. at least with what I have seen historically. And with doing my research, I realized, okay, you first you raise money and you lose equity. So mm-hmm. up to a certain point, you may not truly own your company anymore. Right. Um, Looking high level reasons why I decided to build a company. Like, why did I want to do this? What Mm -hmm. was it about having a business that spoke to me? And that was, having something that was my own and not having, if I, if I lost a thousand dollars because of a shipping mistake, that was my thousand dollars that I knew no one was going to Mm -hmm. be mad at me for losing money. It was my money. It's something I learned on. It's something I'm able to grow from, but I don't have that secondary stress of, Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm working for this company and I just messed up or having that stress of don't mess up, don't mess up. Oh my gosh, these numbers, these production orders, these whatever, or say um, you do have a VC-backed um, funding and you mess up and that's someone else's money and they're expecting you to give get that money back. And right. that whole process too of... All of these venture-backed um, companies, they want to see their profit back. So, mm-hmm. and they're they're wanting to see their profit back quickly. So, a lot of these companies are trying to be uh, bought out within five to seven years. And for me, I just I never saw my company being something that I'd want to let go of or sell in five mm-hmm. years. I just. I don't think it's realistic. I don't think it's really sustainable to try to grow it just for the sake of growing. Mm -hmm. I realized just that I'd much rather be a slow and steady and profitable company and not be the biggest brand in the world and let it take 20 years to become the biggest brand in the world, but still own 100% of it, Mm -hmm. still have like minimal stress from outside sources, um, relating to money and yeah, it's just, there were many, many reasons why I decided it wasn't, it wasn't the path for me.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah. And, and, and certainly, you know, even from my standpoint, you know, as uh, you and I talked a while back, you know, being an entrepreneur myself and, uh, you know, I've had multiple companies, uh, before, and I, I own three companies now. And of course, one of them, we're going through that venture capital raise, you know, based on the mobile app, uh, that we're Mm -hmm. developing, but it is such a, you know, (laughs) real pain in the butt to go through that, that process. And it, and, and like you said, I mean, to, to put it frankly, it is, it is something that if you're really not, prepared to go through and prepare to endure all of the angst and all of the talks and negotiations and mm-hmm. this is and the that you know just don't even bother to step in continue to go at it the way that you're going at it and eventually you will get there but course, uh, yeah. but you know uh, it, it is it is hard it is yeah. it is very very hard
0: and, and so it's. it's not. Go ahead. Uh, sorry, it's the other thing is it's not a light decision either. I feel like mm-hmm. it truly is. It's a almost like a marriage. Like you have to understand each other, be open right. with each other, and sign a contract that honestly could potentially be even harder than getting a divorce. That's so, right. You want to get that partner, you need to make sure it's the right partner and when you're going through raising like your series a mm-hmm. it's a quick process, so it's really hard to be able to vet all of these venture backed or private equity companies mm-hmm. and that whole process is just, it's a full-time job in itself
1: too. You're absolutely right.
0: (laughs) I just felt like I couldn't bring on another full-time job outside of what I was already doing.
1: Right, right. So could you share with our listeners, you know, the story, kind of the story behind, you know, what really... I mean, like you said, you aspired to have your own business. You aspired that you were working your way towards being your own boss. But there was a, an, a, an event that occurred where you—and I'm going to use this term loosely—you pretty much, you know, got naked and realized that, okay, by God, I've had enough, and I'm <laughs> going to do something about it. Can you share with our listeners? That story, if you don't mind, please. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, So um, while I was living in Los Angeles, I kind of in the back of my head, I was always, oh, I I want a fashion company. But uh, being the way that I am, I was always like, well, I'm not going to make another t-shirt company. No one needs another t-shirt. I love outerwear. I'm not going to make another jacket because there are so many fantastic at various price point jacket companies Mm -hmm. Um, and being in production and working in production and especially running around um, downtown LA factories in 113 degree weather and just always of carrying rolls of fabric and boxing up um, like 50 pound, fa- 50 pound boxes and going to the UPS store and the Vedic store and just constantly just being on my feet in very warm weather. Mm-hmm. I realized that halfway through a workday, I ended up taking my bra off because I quite literally couldn't breathe in it Mm -hmm. and I realized that oh I every day I'm really uncomfortable and pretty miserable in like the really old school padded Victoria's Secret bras or whatever I had at the time Mm -hmm. and I realized that I slowly but surely started wearing sports bras almost every day and That, even though it's not something anyone other than myself can see, it's something I know is there. And it's something like putting on like a really neutral, boring sports bra in the morning just doesn't really put that jump in your step and right. I kept looking into some sort of hybrid like a bralette I'd find a couple companies and it's either they're still not comfortable or they're really cheap and they get gross really fast like the elastics wear out or mm-hmm. the hardware tarnishes and turns everything green um mm-hmm. and I just started asking around like does anyone have a favorite brand. Do you, I'm looking for something kind of specific and everyone was like, no, not really. I don't know. Like if I go into a store and I see something, maybe I'll get it. It just didn't seem like anyone had a, a loyalty to any company. Mm-hmm. And then I'd talk to any friends that had a double D or higher and they would just laugh and say, are you kidding? If I even find my size, I don't care what it looks like or how it feels. I'm going to buy three because it's going to be another three years until I can find my size in a store again, because it's so rare for me to find a bra that fits. Mm -hmm. And Just with this process, I started realizing, wow, a lot of people really don't like their undergarments. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people, especially with not even plus size, but it's sizes all around. And with the way that bras are made, Mm -hmm. you can have a really, really small rib cage, but a large cup size. And that's already considered kind of not the norm or the typical size available. And then same thing, you could have just in general, a really small cup size and also have that not be available. Or you go into plus sizes where the band is over 40 and they can't find anything. So I'm realizing that there are way more sizes that women need and as well as something that is a little bit more comfortable, but doesn't look like a sports bra. And with my background in apparel construction and manufacturing, I... Mm -hmm. Slowly but surely, kind of just on weekends, I was drawing and kind of sewing up samples. I'd go to little boot camps of how to properly fit and sew um, undergarments and just learning the ins and outs. Um, Reading a lot about business. Um, I read a lot just in general, and I feel like I've read every book under the sun at this point. Um, Mm -hmm. But Yeah, and that was kind of where it all started.
1: Wow, what a what a uh, what a coincidence, and a quite an amazing story from your activity creating, you know, enough, you know, notion for you to say, all right, enough's enough. I I I think there's a. There's an issue here because obviously you were dealing with the issue, but mm-hmm. in the same aspect, you were inquisitive enough to go out and seek, you know, through the demographics and find if everybody else was having that problem. And then obviously, voila, you know, uh, te- 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 off And uh, here we are. So you started this company in 2019. Now, you launched the company in Boston and... Is the company? Where, where does the company stand today? I mean, what type of uh, outreach do you currently have? Are you guys shipping only domestically? Is it abroad? I mean, give us give us kind of uh, the lay of the land regarding the company today.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, so shipping domestically, majority of the orders, but we also do ship to Canada and currently the UK. Okay. And this morning, actually, I had a conversation about potentially um, having a, or a vendor out in Greece as well to start selling our stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, since starting in 2019, it was a very slow start. I mm. kind of started just with the website thinking, yeah, I'll launch a website and everyone will come. And that did not happen. And I had right. to slowly realize that, yes, you have to invest in Facebook advertising and all of that. And um, slowly but surely I've learned and it's every month it's been growing.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, definitely congratulations on the steady growth and the successes that you've had thus far. We know firsthand, you know, as you're talking one entrepreneur to another entrepreneur, even though we're not in the same category of verticals <laughs> or ecosystem per se, but, uh, you know, uh, I can understand. The
0: struggles are the same though. <laughs> the struggles are the
1: same. Absolutely. They are absolutely the same. So, you know, with regards to your your organization that you have now and, and your body of work. And like you said, your outlook of, of trying to reach, you know, the masses uh, as it relates to this significant problem that you've discovered uh, as far as the comfortability of, you know, undergarments for women, you know, do you ever see yourself venturing out into other garments, you know, as far as, um, maybe garments for, for males or, or, or men?
0: For men, not quite yet. I get that question a lot. Um, I wouldn't even know where to start with with men, but for women, I definitely see, um, growing into swimwear as well because it's the same exact issue as not having enough um sizes across that category and i feel like being able to transfer lingerie just even the patterns and the fit it's already um a lot easier to kind of tweak it a little bit with new fabrics to move into swim mhm
1: mhm well you know i uh, i'm surrounded by you know um plenty of women in my uh, household as well as my (laughs) sister-in-laws and sisters and so forth and so on. So I had them go out and do their own kind of, uh, study and survey, you know, just in a short period of time that we met you the last time. And what they discovered was, you know, based on, you know, price point and, and, and based on, uh, what they saw from quality material. And then of course their own, uh, inner complaints with you know transitioning from you know what they would consider to be normal under under uh, wear uh, garments uh, into sports bras and so they they found that yeah you know they could see where there's a real specific niche that could be capitalized on you know trying to find the right fit for for all different size women. And, uh, you know, it looks like you're, you're on to something here that, you know, from what we've been able to discover has, has really been an untouched market.
0: Yeah. I mean, every time I look into it more and more, you'll find a brand that for a bralette. So if it doesn't have underwire, they may have a lot of sizes, but it comes back to that it's in black it's in nude it's in white it's in like a blush pink and it's not Mm -hmm. very not very empowering i guess um Mm -hmm. it's just like the basics that like oh if you have a white dress shirt and you just want something that doesn't show through yes that's a great kind of piece to have in your wardrobe but it's not Mm -hmm. the one that you're gonna pull out when you want to feel special and then a lot of brands will have a lot of sizes and underwire but then the moment it's a bralette it's back to small medium and large sure and i just i really really feel like there is a market for it and there is a space for it and i also feel like there's there's enough people in the world for us to all have a space sure Um, but yeah i mean Oh, fingers crossed, it it works out.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, it always does. I mean, small businesses have an amazing way to serve and leave their impact. And right now, I think you're only at the cusp of leaving oh, yeah. your impact on the world and, uh, you know, impacting a lot of women out there today. And so as we're almost out of time here, You know, there's a couple of things that I want to make a point of before, you know, we get back to you providing us with the quality information of how to reach out to your website and all those other great things. You know, is the fact that, you know, from a quote that I that I read, it states making something people want includes making a company that people want to work for. And just by everything that you've described to us regarding your thought process, your vision, and how you want to move your brand forward into the next century. You know, I think that's something that is, that doesn't come very lightly. I mean, it's highly commendable that you've put forth the sacrifice and the willingness and the determination to go through the process and to put yourself in a position to where you can significantly be a game changer in this particular market of fashion. And so we just wanted to say, you know, we we honor you for that and uh, we wish you the most, you know, highest success that you can achieve, you know, with your business and your organization and, and all of your goals. And so with that, we'd like to basically roll into... Final remarks, and how do people reach out to find out about your company, about your website? I mean, what's the best way for people to, to reach out if they're interested in your product line?
0: Yes, definitely. So we're on basically every social media, Instagram, TikTok, you name it. And it's mm-hmm. all the same handle for absolutely everything. It is TTOV label, um, so T-I-T-O-V label, um, and it's the same thing, com, and just everywhere across the board at Label, and you can find us.
1: Excellent, 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 excellent. All right. So, uh, you know, we're we're at the juncture here of of wrapping up and uh just as soon as we wrap up, I've got a great idea for you for T-Tof. I got a great idea for you. We'll, we'll see if you uh <laughs> see if you hang on for the ride. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, um this has been uh, a great episode, you know, and you know, I want everybody to realize that you know, it's always about giving back. It's always about reaching out and seeing where you can uplift someone else. And so today, this episode was really dedicated from my heart to Marsha and Titoff to uplift her and her organization and her business, because, you know, it's not always about receiving. You know, we have to have that compassion, we have to have empathy, we have to be willing to unite and basically together try to make this world a better place. We've all started out at first base in our lives, whether or not we were born, whether or not we were adopted, or whether or not we came into this world by Martians, whatever the case may be. But, you know, we still have to try and show the best possible way to treat each other in a more harmonizing and thoughtful way. And so this episode today, entitled TTOF, episode 118, this is your host, Gregory Proctor. Marcia, thank you very much. And to everyone, bye-bye. Have a wonderful day. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to Cut to the Chase. Stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and LinkedIn at Cut to the Chase. You'll also find even more great content on our website at www.k2tcpodcast.com. Thank you and catch you on the next episode.